1: What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Rights Podcast. Today, we have our end-of-the-year EPL soccer corner extravaganza with Walden Rodenberg. Pulled him out of off-season mode to talk EPL. If you'd have told me when I started this podcast a couple years ago that I would be dedicating a full podcast to a couple amateurs talking uh, English soccer, I'd have probably thought you were crazy, but here we are, back by popular demand. The people asked for it, so we went through all the scenarios. Going into the final week of the Premier League season, talked about the whole relegation concept, how that would work in American sports. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Wrexham FC club, and uh, a whole bunch more. So uh, maybe this podcast not for everybody, but I think you'll enjoy the conversation whether you like soccer or not. So buckle up! Before we get to that, though, wanted to remind you, podcast is brought to you by a brand new sponsor, Rent the Sip Oxford. Are you looking for a place? on any Oxford weekend to come up, maybe football weekend, graduation, whatever the case may be, they can be hard to come by. You know how the game is on big Oxford weekends. Rent the Sip can help you with that. Their Turnberry unit is located off of Old Taylor Road. It sleeps eight comfortably. It has a pool, a spa, tennis courts. It's all gated, and it is available for rent on the weekends. My friend Bracken Ray, this is his first rental property. Rent the Sip Oxford. Good dude, Friend of the podcast, of course, our basketball guy, and he wants to help make it easier for you to find a place to rent in Oxford on big weekends, random weekends. Maybe you're just coming up for a night and you don't want to deal with the hotel. He can help you with that. It is a nice condo unit that is gated right off there off Taylor Road, less than a mile from campus, straight shot across uh, the old highway there to Swayze Field, not too far from Vaught-Hemingway Stadium as well. It is booking up fast, but he still has availability for the Mercer, Vandy, and ULM football game weekends. It's also available for move-in week into the dorm for freshman and rush week. So go ahead and book that now. All you have to do is go to rentthesipoxford.com. That'll take care of everything else. You can go online and book it. If you have questions, there's a contact number there. Feel free to call it, and they'll answer any questions you have. And if you use the promo code RIPPYWRIGHTS, That'll get you 100% off any stay that's a two-night minimum. So if you book it for two nights and use the promo code RIPPYWRIGHTS, that'll get you 100 bucks off. Good people to work with. Bracken would never steer you the wrong way. And it is a great place, great location in a town where it's often hard to find weekend rentals or really rentals at all. So check them out, RentTheSipOxford.com. Very happy they're starting to sponsor the show. So be sure to check them out. If you have any questions, you can holler at me as well. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Go check them out. If you're wanting to build up your bankroll before football season, Mark Harris and the guys at Skybox NASCAR are crushing it on the track every weekend, just racking up positive unit weekends. But as football season will be here, before you know it, just go online to skyboxsportspicks.com. You can find a picks package that fits your price range. You can try it for a day, a week, a month, whatever, college football, NFL football. They've also got college basketball coming up uh, not too far from that as well. All you have to do is go sign up for the picks package, type in the promo code RIPPEE, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase. They're the only way to profit in the long run. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. All right, here is Weldon Rodenberg on the final weekend of the EPL season. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's football correspondent and football correspondent, Weldon (laughs) Rodenberg. feel like this is maybe spring training for you. We'll get the football pods rolling here before you know it. But back by popular demand, it is the last week of the EPL season. We did this podcast last year. Um, again, back by popper demand, we're getting messages from every corner of the globe asking for comment on the EPL season. How have been doing? What have you just been bunkered up watching EPL soccer? What's, what's the off season been like?
2: Um, the off season's the off season, uh, still getting prepared for this wedding a little bit. Um, I watched a little bit of soccer, I was unsurprisingly on another bachelor trip this weekend back in Mississippi. For the first time in a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean it's the end. I'm trying to I happily watch the Lakers get swept. I'm about to turn on the heat game a little bit. Um, uh, I, I it's it's kind of getting a lot. Uh, I have too many teams. Um, uh, my my fiance says it like more and more. I mean, she came home a few weeks ago and uh saw I was watching a Cubs game and she was like, What the fuck? <laughs> I'm like I can't do any more of this. Like I, she was so excited when the Pelicans got eliminated. She's like, okay, I think we're done for a while. Like you know, Ole Miss baseball is terrible, so he's not watching that. But you know, there's always something. And I even tried to find a hockey team. It looks like Houston might get one from Phoenix. So I'm really putting together quite a portfolio of, of things I get to care about and eventually bother her with.
1: That's really how it's get, it got for me with soccer corner with MC where she's like. Are we really going to do this every Sunday morning? And I'm like, no, no, not every Sunday morning. But hey, if we're around, like, I can't just stick that on you. Like, I, I can't be adding the Premier League to the mix on a regular basis. But as I mentioned to you earlier, like a couple of times when we've done Soccer Corner toward the end of our football podcast, I got in a pretty good habit when I was home to actually flip it on on Saturday and Sunday mornings. And in the last year and a half or two years that we've done this, it went from like, all right, I'll flip this on because the announcers were funny to like, oh, this is pretty compelling television by the wedding as you mentioned it is your wedding so on top of all the sports teams you got going on um you're going to actually get married here we're inside a month of that I, the, I imagine there's no prep for that the hard work's already done the haze in the barn do you just have to show up in a tops and say i do at this point
2: yeah she tried to hand me like a whole weekend itinerary i said absolutely not i <laughs> do not want to see it don't care tell me with i live hour by hour uh i don't want to change that Uh, for this weekend, so it's pretty much show up. Um, and that's really about it right now. I think there's a few like hassling people for RSVPs to figure out who the hell is actually coming to this thing. Uh, which is a very awkward thing to go through. Um, I know we talk a lot about weddings on the on this pod in the the run up because we both have like been to I mean, you were one this past weekend, I'm gonna be in, in one my own uh, here coming up, but you kind of find all these these weird kind of like social interactions throughout all of these events, whether parties, bachelor parties, weddings that you're like, this is just not normal human behavior, like treating people and asking people and expecting people to do all this shit for so long. It is a lot. And honestly, like I'm supposed to go to Vegas for another bachelor party two weeks before my wedding. And like, I love Vegas as much as anybody in the world. Um, and I literally you know, woke up this morning was just talking with Elizabeth. And I was like, I-, I don't think I can go. Like, I just don't think I can do it. Like, I- like, I'm going to adult Disneyland. It's my favorite. I love it so much. I'm like, I just don't think I can do this shit anymore. <laughs> like, I've got to take a break. And that took a lot. I-, I mean, that was very mature of me. I'll give myself a slight pat on the back. Uh, but it just doesn't make sense anymore, but it, it's just a lot.
1: You gotta, you had to have gotten some brownie points for that. Your, uh, lovely fiance, Elizabeth, my, how this podcast has grown. She came on after we stopped recording one night and said hello. And I was like, yeah, I've been polluting your Sundays for the last year and a half. Sorry about that one. Um, but <laughs> Started as just a bachelor with a uh, girlfriend, and now the next time we do a podcast, you're going to be a married man. I mean, at this point in 45 years, when we're talking about, I don't know, Mac Brown is the head coach of the old Miss Rebels. You're just going to be like, I'm almost retired. This is this is the way this ends. So just- I know. I'm
2: following him, and I can't believe it. I'm assuming that I will not be first uh billing on this upcoming podcast.
1: <laughs> so we're going to decide on that one. It might be a standalone thing, Mac, um, bad boy Mac Brown. We're about 20 minutes. Out After his interview, I'll probably do it as a standalone soccer corner deserves a standalone, but on the off chance, you do have to follow Mac Brown. You're going to have to up your game because the kid was absolutely electric former soccer guy i should have asked him about the epl but he's kind of giving me that look like hey you're gonna keep me till eight o'clock at night what's the deal with this thing so i was like you know what i'll save the soccer questions for yeah. when he's in nfl hall he's of prime time. time now <laughs> he, he is prime time he became a viral internet sensation he's ready to absolutely roll was looking great had some aviators on i think he did the podcast from a car just amazing stuff from our guy bad boy mac brown so I guess we'll start here. I admittedly, I was on a flight back from uh, a wedding in Houston over the weekend. I'm sure you got t- tagged in the same message board stuff I did. It was apparently an epic Sunday in the EPL. How I know you were coming back doing your own travel. We can't catch this every Sunday. Do you have an idea of what happened? Because uh, I'm relying on you. I have zero clue. I know we're entering the last week, but apparently some crazy stuff happened. Is there any sort of uh, primer you can give me without me giving you any sort of pre-show notes? Well, I actually
2: um, did some
1: research. For once. In this that's podcast. amazing. That's big boy stuff. That's how we <laughs> enter Joe Rogan level.
2: And by research, I mean, I looked up scenarios for this upcoming uh, final week on where everyone's standing and what's all going on. Uh, I saw a decent amount on Saturday. We went fishing Saturday morning at this trip and we got back at like 10 a.m. Like everybody was taking a nap. So I just turned on some soccer, turned on a little bit of golf and kind of like tried to catch up on what was going on because – I mean, United won, and I, like, really wanted to make sure that some other things happened so we could play in the Champions League. Uh, but there were some, like, some death blows. You know, it, it's getting that time um, up top and on the bottom, um, as I'm sure you're aware of. Uh, City has claimed the league title after Arsenal lost to Nottingham Forest. I believe that's on Saturday. Yeah, on Saturday. Um, So it's over. That They finally came back. I think Arsenal – I saw a stat like they led the the league for like 247 days or some crazy amount of days, like the most at the top of the table without winning it ever, um, which is tough. Now, though, I mean, they're freaking going to lose it by like seven points now. Um, so, I mean, but that that kind of happens once you don't attain your goals, whether that's, you know, Champions League football, European football or winning it, like you just kind of fall apart. You know, you you know, the inevitable is coming. Um, But the same thing happened at the bottom Southampton's officially eliminated. Uh, But I mean, we can kind of go through the scenarios going entering, you know, the final week. And there's there's kind of a lot of up for grabs. It's not the same, you know, dramatics of last year where like literally the championship is being uh, finalized on the last day, like goal by goal with Liverpool and City. But there's a lot at stake in the bottom and there's a lot at stake uh, for European football at the top as well.
1: I remember the last Sunday last year very well. I was going to play golf, and I actually uh, had to leave. I was at MC's apartment in Fort Worth. I was going to play somewhere in East Dallas, quite the drive. So I was, like, watching some of the matches, and I forget what the exact scenario was, but to your point, it was, like, goal for goal type of situation. I was like, I can't – never thought I'd be here, but I was like, I can't believe I'm missing this. Tried to pull it up on my phone. We'll start it, though, there at the top because – what was funny about the last almost full calendar year that we've been talking about this English Premier League season, when it started the year, you know, you were pretty adamant about like, dude, this is city city's league to lose. I mean, I, I remember, I think the Vegas odds were, I think like city was like minus odds to win the league. Like it was so oh, yeah. overwhelming favorite, but Arsenal was kind of this. I would say wrench in the armor, whatever you want to, I think I just mixed phrases there, but whatever you want (laughs) to call it, they led for way longer than I think most people thought. And it got to the point where every time we would do one of these soccer corners, I was like, Hey, you sure City's still winning this league? Are you positive? And then it kind of got to a point. I feel like when we did one of the spring football pods, maybe toward the beginning where you're like, actually, I don't know anymore. Now that we sit here in late may, they're going to win this league by seven points. Can you at least can you can you call this a choke? Like, what would you call this for Arsenal? They led for all of these days. Everyone probably assumed City was coming, but it did felt like City let it get to the point where it was like, okay, is this actually going to happen? How would you describe this season for Arsenal and how the top of this played out?
2: They they absolutely regressed to the mean of their of their talent. Um, They're a pretty complete team. Uh, they really didn't have a whole lot of injury issues minus Gabriel Jesus, who was like one of their main strikers, which was important. But they weathered that storm throughout the majority of the season. It's really hard to not call it a choke. Um, Just like the way that they led this league, they were up by 11 points with like six or seven matches left. I mean, that's a – it's it's tough to – I remember
1: that you, being a huge lead late.
2: To call anything else but that. I mean, I'm sure City had a few games at hand at that point. Um, But City just became what we knew that they were going to be. They had some just really bizarre results, results they haven't had the past few years on the road. You know, adding Erling Holland, who is one of the best strikers in the world, one of the best players in the world, broke the record for most goals in a Premier League season, was like a completely different dynamic for that team in the way that they play. You know, they play uh, that kind of tiki-taka, you know, spanish football all possession and they had a guy who was just like a gun runner up the middle just like a brute force guy it took time you know he was scoring goals but it wasn't necessarily leading to like dominant effort um dominant efforts week in week out uh their their defense was like the worst it's been in a long time but it just took them time to kind of get into the form that we're used to to being in. And while they were doing that, Arsenal just kind of slowly but surely fell back to where we kind of expected them to be, which is, you know, competing for Champions League football, but not necessarily winning it. Um, But just the way that this works and the way that any sport works is like they had a just perfect opportunity to win this thing. And a, a few weeks ago, you know, they went to go play at City. They're up. I think five points. Uh, City had like two games in hand, though, and City absolutely dominated them. I mean, literally, it could have been 6-1. I think it ended up being like 4-1. It, it could have been worse. I think that was like the morale death blow that kind of ended up everything. You know, they were technically still up on points, but it, it, you knew it was over after that game. It was just so demoralizing. Uh, so, I mean, it was almost kind of like, you know, an old Miss Alabama game. It's like, this is like all of your goals are right in front of you if you win this game and then you just lose it. And it's like, now we're just going to kind of, you know, fade into the finish, which is exactly what Arsenal has done. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much a joke, uh, I think all stats, the way that you've seen this league over the past, you know, few years go, you know, this they haven't really had anything like this where a team's just been caught like this. Um, but I think, you know, like we talked about earlier, like City's the best team in this league. They're the best team in the world. They're playing in the Champions League final um, after eliminating Real Madrid, the other best team in the world. Uh, they're proving it on all fronts. And after what was kind of like a, A disappointing unusual start for them that they've rounded into form and shown us exactly who they are um, and who they have been the past few years
1: and so where does that go from here like they're going to win the league does do we have i mean we'll get i mean obviously we have august and preseason camp and all this to get into the soccer corner next year will they will they be the overwhelming favorite next year? I know there's a decent bit of change that goes on in the off season and people add guys and whatnot, but like would you anticipate city being the overwhelming favorite again? Is this like a golden state warrior situation? Like what, how does this set up beyond this year? Is there that much more turnover in soccer? How does that work? I
2: mean, they've won, I think it's three of four. So, they, I mean, their dynasty standard, I mean, they've won more than that. I mean, I think they've won like five out of the last seven um, or maybe more than that even. Uh, I can't really totally remember once they started that first one, I think in 2014 or 15. They've been the team of this league. Um, it will be very, very, very interesting to see what a lot of these top teams do in the summer. Um, Tottenham is in a total state of confusion. Um they don't know who their manager is going to be. They don't know if Harry Kane is going to be back, who's been the linchpin of that, you know, that franchise, that club for years. Um, they've kind of bottled Champions League football. They will not be playing European football this year, which is kind of unusual for them, despite you know usually choking at some point <laughs> in whatever competition it is. Um, you've got Chelsea, who is just in a total state of flux with this new ownership. All of these new players, they just hired a new coach, uh, Pochettino, who's been at Tottenham, who's been at PSG. He's a name. He's like your classic, I've been everywhere coach in European football. Like, I mean, if you looked him up and looked up his, his resume, you'd be like, yep, this is like the most European hire ever. He's been everywhere. He's been fired like four times, but now he's back here. Uh, what that squad looks like, how many players do they sell? How many players more can they actually buy Will be interesting. Um, Arsenal, is this kind of like the motivation for them to really invest? Uh, Stan Kroenke is the owner of Arsenal, who is also the owner of the now NBA Finals, NBA Nuggets. The Denver. I mean, not the Denver Broncos, the uh, the Avalanche, who won the Cup last year. All they've had is success. And then the Rams, who won the Super Bowl two years ago. I mean, all they've had, all of his teams have had success is he going to see this push from Arsenal and like really, you know, put himself into it and continue to, to buy players? Cause I mean, Arsenal was incredible this year and they haven't really not going to accomplish much. I don't think they're going to win a trophy, um, but they've been great, but they're not an expensive team necessarily. They, they've made some big purchases, but not to the extent like Liverpool or United or city have in the past. And then, you know, my team, United, I mean, they're working to sell the team. No one knows who's going to own this team next year. Is it going to be Ineos's, uh founder Ratcliffe? Is it going to be a Qatari ownership? What is either of those ownerships look like when it comes to buying players? Because they need a lot of them, and it looks like they're going to be selling a lot of them. Um, so City's the only mainstay. You know, they're the only team that I don't think they're going to even need to invest that much in this group in order to continue to be the best team in the league. They might honestly be an even bigger favorite next year uh, compared to this year now that they've had this continuity. I They do have a few older players uh, that have been linchpins. That, I mean, another year of playing like international soccer. I mean, th- these guys play so many games year by year. They wear down. And once you get to freaking – you know, 28, 29, where you think that's like the prime of an NBA player or a, a uh, NFL player, it's in soccer. That's like you're old. Um, so I'm sure they'll have to add like some younger depth pieces that are guys will hear from, in you know, two or three years. But honestly, they're they're going to be an even bigger favorite, in my opinion.
1: So that's interesting to me because I was looking this up earlier, and you mentioned that Man City's kind of already on their way to being a dynasty from, uh, as Wikipedia puts it, the uh, most reliable source ever. This is like five of the last six. And they kind of first came on the scene, I think around 2010, 2011. I think they won the first uh, Premier League title in a long time. In 2012, I just remember this. Uh Shout out to my high school friend Clay Johnson. I would say the odds of him listening to this podcast are slim to none, but he was like a big Man City fan, and we were nearing the end of our high school years. And I think that was the year they won their first Premier League championship. Aguero goal. Yeah, you know what you're talking about. Okay, modern era. So they win one. I think they win one a couple years later, and then this entire dynasty kind of starts. So. I get that like the top of the Premier League kind of stays with the same four or five clubs, but this seems like a level of dominance that you have not seen in a while. Is that just a new owner being, being willing to spend more than anyone else? Is that just that well of run of an operation? Like how has this actually come to fruition and happened? It's a
2: combination of a lot of things. Uh, the first being when they brought in Pep Guardiola, uh, who's still their manager currently, who is is one of the best in the world. Um, he's been at Barcelona. He's been at Bayern Munich. He's been at every top club you can think of, and he has just completely elevated this squad to like a completely different stratosphere. Um, but also being bought by a mid eastern oil baron, uh, I think they're, they're Abu Dhabi owned, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, the sheikh, I think, is the guy that owns them. Uh, that's just what they call him. I don't. Know, I don't even know his real name. Like <laughs> uh, that obviously changes. Your your upside as well, being able to have a, a certain amount of unlimited funds in order to buy the world's best player. But but what they also have, which is something that you know some of the top clubs struggle with, is like an just an absolutely incredible academy that they have built kind of from the ground up since they've started this run, and they've had homegrown players that they've been able to sell for cash to buy more players or some guys like Phil Foden actually end up in the squad um, from time to time. And, you know, they just, they just don't buy many flops. You know, their scouting department is pretty unbelievable. And, you know, obviously you can spend big money and do that and have a much better, you know, I guess uh, hit rate. But, shit, United has as as much money as most people, and they have, like, one of the worst hit rates on buying expensive players you've seen in the past five to six years. So it doesn't always work out when you spend big. Um, PSG is one other one. They can't win a Champions League, and they spend millions and millions on all of these players. Um, So they they are just well-run at every single level. Um, And they have the advantages of the ownership. They have the advantages of the best coach in the game right now. Um, But, you know, other franchises and other sports have had stuff like that doesn't mean that guarantee success. They have absolutely dominated. The only thing they have not done, which I think they will probably do in in early June, is win the Champions League. They have never done it. Um, And they're in the final against a pretty inferior Inter Milan team, and they're probably going to get it done. So that's kind of like literally the last leg of this dynasty to accomplish.
1: So is this turning into a situation where your typical clubs, you know, the Liverpools, the Manchester Uniteds, I know Chelsea disaster right now. We talked about the ownership situation with Manchester United, whatever Arsenal, whatever kind of blue blood club you want to put in the EPL. Is this turning into a situation where it's like, which of these clubs is going to get their shit together to kind of challenge these guys? Is that kind of like, it seems like in some ways, and I'm new to this, they benefited from the fact that you've had dysfunction at some of the other major clubs.
2: Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at like the past winners of the Premier League, you look in like the early 2000s and 90s when Sir Alex Ferguson was at United I and mean, he was winning a shit ton. You know, it was it was almost every other year, or every year. Um, once he left United, the most who was the most dominant club at that time, you know, they have squandered, you know, all opportunities in the last 15, you know, not really 15 years they won in 20. 13, if I remember correctly, the last 10 years, they've been really not overly relevant in the title race. I know they finished up there, you know, second and third a few times, but compared to what City has done, the amount of points they've put up, kind of the way they've won this league, they've not been a factor. Liverpool has absolutely been a factor. They won, I think, in 2020 during the COVID year. They absolutely could have won last year. But Liverpool's issue is that they're owned by the Fenway Group. And the family group, if you know anything about the Red Sox right now, they don't pay money for shit. You know, Mookie Betts is on the Dodgers. uh, And, you know, there's other countless, you know, examples of the way they've run that team. And they, the Red Sox are terrible right
1: now. Um,
2: (laughs) Excuse me. Um, There's seemingly
1: no interest in being better other than the fact that they're cheap, to your point. 100%. And
2: Liverpool has won by having a fantastic coach. And having a really, really awesome core of players who are now kind of getting older and are leaving. I mean, I think five or six of their kind of key cog players are not going to be on that squad next year. And they don't know what they're going to do next. I mean, Jude Bellingham, who is going to sign for Real Madrid this summer, who's maybe the best English talent in the last 15 years. Uh, was, like, almost guaranteed to Liverpool. And they basically said, we're not interested in buying him. Like, he's too expensive for us. Whew. Um, And, like, he was, a, like, a, a Birmingham kid. Like, Liverpool was the odds-on favorite for the past two years talking about this kid, and he's just literally not going there because they didn't even feel, figure to get in the bidding war. So there's a lot of these squads are going to have to really figure out what their priorities are in order to compete with this team because it's not going to change anytime soon with them.
1: Last question I really have about the top top of this is what's interesting to me. And I know this is more than a decade long now is as a kid that knew nothing about EPL soccer, other than making fun of the fact that they scored zero goals in a match a lot of the time as a kid is like, when I was like a kid, kid, Manchester city didn't seem like a thing. They may have been a premier league club. I had read when I got down one of my many soccer corner centric rabbit holes. I think they had been toward the bottom of the Premier League, maybe even relegated at one point. I don't want to put words to – I I don't want to guarantee that because I can't remember. But, like, can you compare this to American sports? Is this like Balmer taking over L.A.? And the clippers becoming a thing. How would you describe this? Like, I imagine the longtime Man U fans have got to be like, what the hell has happened here? And I know I like throw these at you like you're the most you know soccer European encyclopedia of all time. I'm well aware that you've not been looking at this since the 70s, but like, how would you describe this? Like, what is is this anything relevant to American sports or comparable to American sports at all? Whereas you have this club that Manchester City, who even when I didn't know anything about soccer, I knew who Manchester, excuse me, Manchester United was. And then Man City in the last decade has just dominated the sport.
2: It's it's tough. I think potentially the best um, comparison might be Alabama football.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, you know, I my knowledge and history of, of City is kind of like from growing up and playing FIFA and having them sure. begin to win. So, like, I, they've had a club with history but not – necessarily like Alabama football history but the most recent run of Alabama has started because they were the team the most invested with as much money or more money than anybody else when it comes to recruiting and investing in the program and then they went out and hired the best coach to really put it all together I think that might be you know the best comparison you could use Georgia as well which is a team that has kind of had a history has won and sleeping muddled it giant, up. Giant
1: like got their just needed, finally.
2: yeah, a, a potential sleeping giant that needed the right investment um into its program and the right coach to kind of put it all together. Um, City doesn't necessarily have, like I said, the the, the history of just dominance that both of those programs have had in the past. But I think it's kind of like it's clicking on all cylinders. And the only thing that's going to stop them, in my opinion, is. Um, if Pep leaves, which is kind of something that's been talked about, you know, these soccer coaches, similar to coaches in the NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, they don't last forever. They don't stay in the same place for the whole time. You know, new challenges um, always come up. It'll be really interesting interesting to see what Pep talks about. Um, if they end up winning the Champions League this year, it's like that's kind of you know the final straw uh, of his of his you know reign there. Um, but I mean, they've just been unbelievable and they've continued to buy the right players and the right system and they've just dominated.
1: As we go down the table a little bit, the first one I noticed is obviously in third place in Saudi Castle. I feel like Saudi Castle to me is I'm engaged to Brentford, probably going to be a good wife going to hang around a long time. We have a nice stable relationship with the bees, but the Saudi castle was just that one I met at the bar one night that I was like, damn, I can't commit to them. I want to root for them really bad. Ever since you told me their background, real sturdy background of, you know, Saudi owned, rich lady type she's pretty
2: she's rich she's more
1: (laughs) exactly and i just can't i would be a fake fan of the bees despite watching you know next to zero matches if i just switch my allegiance but damn it i really want to they finished 11th in the epl last year they were on the up and up i believe that was kind of when they got bought kind of made a late second half run they are now finishing third when we talk about these clubs getting their stuff together can they buy players can they actually make this happen um i'd have to imagine that's one of the ones with the deepest pockets because uh you know the saudis and all can we expect newcastle if they're they look prime for a third place finish i know man united's right behind them but they look pretty poised for it is that something we can look to next year where is saudi castle right now in the whole landscape of things
2: they're in it. They're absolutely in it. Uh on Monday, they tied Leicester uh at home to guarantee Champions League football next year, which is like a massive first step in order to like get real investment. You know, your payroll changes, your ability to create, you know, revenue changes and you know win and be more out there. Um, so I mean they're absolutely in it. It it's just it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them um, really because of just where they are. They're not, you know, they're kind of like the, they're almost like the bucks like or the Spurs. It's like, you know, the well-run, but like not the biggest free agent destination in the world. Right, um,
1: because you told me when we first started doing this, they're like the northernmost English city. It's not like, it's like Green Bay. It's not like a huge free agent outpost. Green Bay might be the best the best way okay. to,
2: to imagine if Green Bay got bought by the richest owners, even though <laughs> okay. it doesn't matter. Um, the, they have absolutely gotten in talent, but the, their ability to get in talent is solely dependent on paying more money than everyone else. You know, nobody is leaving... Real Madrid and Barcelona and all these huge clubs. But like, you know what? It, it's Newcastle for me. I want to go. I to want to go to the, most Castle, the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it hasn't necessarily hurt them. You know, they've had, you know, really talented players. they bought over the past few years. They've done it really smartly. Um, they, they've added to um, a really impressive group. Uh, they've accomplished their goals for this year. And maybe people see that and are like, okay, you know, that that kind of changes my mind a little bit about them. Um, but as as long as they're owned by them, as long as they have the money backing them, they're going to be in the conversation. Uh, they're going to have to take a massive step in order to win this thing. Um, they're going to have to really vamp up um, where they're at. But they're a, it's a difficult place to play. Uh, they they've done really well at home this year Um, they're they're a difficult team to play which is the style Uh, like I said it's going to take another massive investment and jump to get to the top of this thing but you know they'll be interesting to see how they fare playing more games in Europe next year if they're able to have the same success Uh, but they're they're fascinating they're not going to be leaving anytime soon that's for sure.
1: We'll get back to Walden Rodenberg in just a second, but before we do, I want to remind you, it's brought to you by Athletic Greens. I take AG1 every morning. It helps provide you with the nutrients you need to make your body go. Taking care of your body, particularly as you get older, is as important as ever. AG1 does just that. It helps with better gut health, sustained energy, immune system support, and, and it's a supplement that tastes great. So I take it all in the morning. It is awesome. AG1 is the best nutritional drink out there. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash mpw. That's athleticgreens.com slash mpw to check it out. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats. Right now, it's three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. That's about a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks. Just go in the store, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up with the Rippy Wright special, and then go find all your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. It's primetime grilling season right now as the weather is warm. It's great to be outside. LB's wants to make your drilling experience great. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, back to Walden Rodenberg. 2024, we're doing this podcast next year. Saudi Castle is primed to win the Premier League. Cam Smith has won the Masters and Kepka. has just won another TGA. Do we just have to pledge our allegiance to the Saudis? I mean, have they taken over the global sports world? This is kind of a wild... Thing That's not really interconnected, but kind of is at the same time where it's like, my God, when you put godless amounts of money in these sports with really no salary cap leagues. obviously golf, not really a salary cap thing, but like, how far does this go? I mean, they, they bought an EPL team. That's now top three immediately. Like, is that a discussion amongst EPL folks? What is that kind of like? Is it anything similar to live at all? Um, it's just not
2: new to soccer anymore. You know, it's not new to this world. It's it's frustrating. I know when it happened, there was a lot of pushback, especially, you know, as Chelsea was getting sold by the Russian oligarch just to have the Saudis come in. By mean, enough. It was like, you know, it's the devil we know, not the devil we don't kind of situation. Uh, and I, I don't I, – the golf is so different. And, uh, maybe we can actually talk a little golf. The, the live tour is so different because – of what it's represents, you know, soccer. You know, they, they, these are individuals buying an individual franchise. You know, for a, literally an investment. And yes, of course, it is a of smaller, different. Not really smaller. It's a different version of sports washing. Whereas the Live Tour was bad actors creating a sport in order, you know, to wash away you know, thoughts about the Saudi government. And, you know, we can have the whole talk on whether, you know, you should go there or not. And the money, like that's kind of irrelevant, but it's important to know exactly what they're doing. You know, how you feel about the players and how you feel about, you know, what these massive oil countries and their human rights issues and owning all these clubs and creating live. You know, you can talk about whether like how it feels, but you just have to know what it is. And that's exactly what live is. It's a, it's a, it's really not the same thing. Um, from strictly an investment you know form to this soccer deal Um, so yeah I mean there's definitely a lot of angst amongst those in England because like this is their sport this is like their college football it's the same kind of heart the same kind of fan bases and it's definitely a very confusing uh, introduction especially over there like look I'm a huge fan of Manchester United I watch every game but like it's not like, you know, Ole Miss or the Pelicans, the Saints, where like I've grown up like it is ingrained in me right. over there. It, it's so different because like that is their hometown. That is their whole thing. And to be bought by these teams, you're getting more successful. But your your moral compass is definitely being cracked a little bit. Um, It's different. It's difficult. And I think people see the city thing and like, without the history and now that they're so great, you know, that's kind of like they're the Alabama, the wine and cheese fans. Now it's not the same as Liverpool and United and Arsenal where they've, they've come up through different ways in their history. Uh, It's a weird dynamic. It's something that we can't comprehend in the U S and we try to push our thoughts and feelings to towards live because it's new and it's different and we don't know what to do with it. Soccer, they've been with it and they kind of still don't exactly have a grasp of what's going on. At least that's from my point of view when we talk about Newcastle and potentially other clubs that these oil companies or not oil companies, these oil families are thinking about buying.
1: Right. And so like and that like the seemed like the last straw was like, hey, we don't really care who wins the teams, but this European Super League, no shot. We don't want any part of that. There was huge rebellion when it came to that. Right. On oh, so as we kind of make it further down the table a little bit, I know when you get in that top five, what is it? Top five plus like the FA Cup winner makes the Europa League. It's kind of the usual suspects, but, and I guess there's no one that really qualified, but what's interesting to me at sixth and seventh, kind of right behind where you would find that normal um, qualifying for Europa League. You have two clubs in Brighton and Aston Villa who are right there in the mix. It seems pretty surprising. Astonville was actually one I'd done, a, I would say, somewhat deep dive on. They were actually in English soccer second league, the championship league, not too long ago. Like, How surprising is it that those two clubs are toward the top of the Premier League with the chance maybe next year to make your rope up?
2: So it's pretty surprising. I think Brighton has become kind of like the darling of of the soccer world because of just the way that they've done it. They are are just so incredibly well run. Um, They, so it's, you know, top four make Champions League, fifth place makes Europa League, and then sixth place makes this new competition, the Europa Conference League, which is just another, the third tier of European competition, which is new in the last two or three years. And Brighton is going to make that, which will be their first time ever, I believe, in European competition, which is a massive accomplishment. Um, And they've done it in kind of a weird way. Like, you know, we talked about earlier in the year when Chelsea fired their first coach, they hired Brighton's coach, which, of course, they subsequently fired, you know, a few months later after the ownership change. And Brighton went out and got a guy named Deserbi from Sassuolo in Italy, who has honestly made them even better. And they've just they've just been incredible. Aston Villa, they've been up for a, a good bit now. They've been a pretty consistent team, but they changed managers um, to uh, Unai Emery, who used to be at Arsenal, who was at Villarreal, who's had an incredible run over in Spain. And they have literally just been a just an absolute dog these past few weeks with the way that they've played and how they've come up. Because they were absolutely firmly – in like the bottom half for the majority of the year, and then once they kind of change management, uh, they they've completely changed their style of play. So they're technically have the ability to get over Brighton, but I think Brighton only needs one point in their next two games because they have a game in hand to secure it. Uh, so it's it's most it's almost certainly going to be Brighton playing European football next uh, this next year,
1: which is wild because that's not i didn't actually even know you know brighton's a city in england i did not know that that's apparently like a real thing they're on the coast it's supposed to
2: be really awesome
1: okay i might yeah. have to move there post-retirement when this podcast makes me millions of bucks. i don't know if i
2: guarantee that but <laughs> i would recommend that but it's supposed to be very nice it's like the southern the southeastern coast okay um, a few hours from london
1: So as we kind of go further down and always overlook the middle part, maybe we'll get to it towards the end. But the bottom is always what is fascinating to me. And, of course, what we have at the bottom is you have Leicester City, you have Leeds United, both at 31 points in the top two relegation spots. So that's 18th and 19th. You have Southampton, who, have, of course, already been eliminated. I'm not sure I could be wrong about this. The last four podcasts we've done with the Soccer Corner, I'm not sure Southampton's points has changed. I swear to God, I'm not sure they've actually done anything in the last like nine weeks. Seems to be a rough year for whatever they call that Southampton team. But there doesn't seem to be a ton of drama towards the relegation spots. And maybe I'm off base in that. But the reason I say that is, is you have Lester and Leeds at 31 points and then you have Everton at 33, where the next closest after that is Nottingham Force at 37. All of those teams have played 37 matches. As I've quickly learned, there's only 38 in the Premier League season. So there's not a whole lot of like room for makeup. It seems like you have four teams that are in the relegation mix, really three and a half. Like it would seem like it would take a Everton loss and then one of those teams to win. I can kind of get the math on the three points thing. What do you make of the bottom of the league? I know you talked about Leicester City and Leeds being kind of shocking. What's the most shocking out of the bottom of this league to you?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: I mean, Leicester, to me, is the most shocking. Uh, they, they won
1: the Premier League less than a decade ago.
2: Yeah, and they have, like, real talent on that team. It's honestly hard to explain um, why they've been so bad. Defensively, they have been atrocious. I mean, they have been absolutely terrible. I mean, I think they've – I mean, let us me see their goals. I
1: 67, that would be the third 67. most
2: allowed. Yeah, only, like, Leeds – only Leeds has been worse, um, in that regard. I mean, that's that's pretty tough. And that's because they
1: fired our guy, by the way. Yeah,
2: who I mean, even when he was there, they were shit on defense too, but it was kind of fun at least. They scored a little bit. Um, so here's the scenario. I mean, Nottingham Forest beat Arsenal this past weekend in a pretty shocking upset that guaranteed them to be safe. So, I mean, had they lost that game, and they're they're at they would be at uh 34 points and most likely still safe, but like no guarantee necessarily, depending on how things worked out. Their goal differential is not very good. So like, you know, something crazy could have happened. They could have been out, but they're safe. Um, Everton uh, scored a 96th minute goal on the road at Wolverhampton to tie, to add a point to them to, I mean, basically bolster their, likelihood of staying up. It was I was actually watching it at the airport. It was pretty electric. I was like, oh shit. Like they actually just did that in the 96th minute. They were going to be in real trouble had they not done that. Um and then I was looking at this article and I'll kind of explain what is happening at the bottom. Southampton's done they're they're at they're out. They've been out it's like the first time in 12 or 15 years. Um they did that. So basically Everton with that last second gold goal, uh, they needs they needed help from Newcastle. So they kind of got it. Uh, and then Leicester, you know, if they drop points, Everton should be safe. Leeds uh is you know pretty unlikely. Uh, they'd have to beat Tottenham on the last day, and then needs ever and Everton lost uh along with probably another Leicester loss. Uh, in order to go up, because just like the way the goal differential works. um, This was kind of before Monday where Leicester tied Newcastle. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at the fixtures, let me see what's going to happen.
1: So you've got Bournemouth playing Everton, and you've got Leicester, I think, playing West Ham.
2: Yes, that's exactly right.
1: So, like, what are the odds you get the classic switcheroo on the last day where you get Leeds or Leicester that gets three points and Everton gets zero? I mean, basically the way it comes down to I'm not a math guy here, but the only way to make this remotely interesting is if Everton loses to West Ham, or is that fair? Or excuse me. If
2: Everton no? loses to Bournemouth, yeah, and Bournemouth then, me. and then Leicester and Leeds both win. Then you're gonna have some drama. I, I think I gotta look at this table. The the math makes sense, but if Leicester and Leeds both win, they'll have 34 points. Uh and if Everton loses, but all Everton really needs is a point.
1: Yeah, just a tie.
2: All they need is a point. Excuse
1: a me, tie. a draw. Sorry, we don't say that here. As,
2: yeah, our apologies. A draw. Um to stay up. So I mean there will be some drama, and the, the best thing that they do is every single game on. I guess it's Saturday or Sunday, um, Is all starts at the same time.
1: Yeah, so it's I mean, like they got the NFL awesome. model down, Pat.
2: Yeah, it's it's awesome. And then, like, you know, for the Champions League spot, you know, United, they play uh, Chelsea on Thursday. Uh, I guess then on Sunday they play their final game. All they need is one point out of two games to, to guarantee Champions League football, which, I mean, they're playing Chelsea, who's been dog shit, but, I mean, they're going to be up for it. Um, and they play Fulham on the last day. With Fulham, not really much to play for. They're firmly safe. Uh, so, I mean, they should get that point. But if for some reason they lose to Chelsea, the last day where Liverpool plays a relegated Southampton and United plays Fulham on the road should be pretty uh, – some pretty,
1: uh,
2: you know, stressful, let's just say.
1: <laughs> we, Squeaky-mobile-town. We You don't have the situation where dudes rest starters and stuff, right? Like that Southampton match. Let's just say they were. Oh, shit, he did it.
2: No, City rested their starters against Chelsea on Monday or Sunday. They literally did not play nine of their best players, but they won the league. Um, I I usually you'll see teams like, I mean, Newcastle plays Chelsea. I just can't imagine they're going to play their best players. They've already qualified for Champions League, they're good. Um, you know, Brighton plays Aston Villa. So, I mean, they're really going to need to get a point there just in case something crazy happens. Um, They lose by, like, four. You know, then, like, things can get a little dicey with the goal differential. So, I, they, they're they not going to – I mean, they're going to play their guys. Um, Arsenal will probably won't play many, you know, all their starters necessarily. But it, it's not, like, the same as the NFL Week 17 where it's, like, you know, you're starting your third string quarterback and none of your guys are playing, you know, usually most of the the, teams are
1: playing, especially those in the middle. It's like, why? You're not losing anything. So why not? I keep gravitating towards the teams I've heard of Chelsea 12th place. As I told you, I think the last time we did a soccer corner about a month ago, I just kept rooting for them get down in that 17, 18 range, maybe where it gets weird. I knew that probably wasn't really possible, but that's a very proud club with the large payroll they're 12th. What is that just a complete reset next year where it's like we're getting everybody out of here? I mean, when's the last time one of these blue blood clubs has finished, you know, closer to the bottom than the top? This seems like an unmitigated disaster as someone who knows very little about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look in recent history to see. Um, I don't have it off the top of my head like I would like in NFL standings or, or or college football or something like that. But I can tell you the way their season has gone, it's been an unmitigated disaster. I mean, it has been absolutely pathetic Um, ever since they fired the first coach. They uh, hired Potter. They changed ownership to the American. It's been just a total shit show. They spent so much money in the winter transfer window and it like it made them worse, which is pretty hard to do. Uh, They like could not score goals. I mean, they, they were probably the worst goal differential team over the last, like, six, seven, eight weeks. I mean, absolutely pathetic. They're uh, bottom
1: five. They're six in goals scored. I mean, that's like Wolverhampton terrible. No, it's
2: it, it's been atrocious. It's been absolutely pathetic. Um, at every level, you know, Champions League, in this, you know, in other competitions, FA Cup and whatnot, they've just been terrible. And I don't know what the fix is. Like I said, they brought in – pochettino who in my opinion is just like a total a nothing, to change is absolutely nothing except for some formations. <laughs> um He's proven to like not be; he's just fine. He he is absolutely fine. He's he's like your NBA coach, like hiring Frank Vogel again. Like, yeah, you're going to be probably better, but you're definitely not hitting a ceiling that you'd expect. And you know they have so much money invested in these players that like. Yeah, they might sell some of their older guys or let them walk and then try to, you know, fit in some younger pieces. But I don't really know what the answer for them is. Uh, I'm sure they will not be this bad next year, but there's no saying that they couldn't be worse necessarily.
1: All three promoted clubs in 2022 appear they're going to stay in the Premier League. How rare is that? Pretty rare. Pretty rare. Um, and you got a couple that are like, I wouldn't say towards the top, but you got like Fulham who finished, you know, 10th, 11th, wherever the hell they'll finish. you know, not named Forrest and Bournemouth are kind of, uh, you know, scraping towards the bottom, but they're pr- pretty safe. Like that, that, is that just the increased investment? Like I know you mentioned it's rare. Like that's, that's fascinating to me that they get up and they're like, Hey, we're actually not even in the mix to get relegated the last week of the year.
2: Well, I think what Forest did this year, where they bought like 27 players, almost like a Deion Sanders, Colorado, you know, roster shift, um, will be studied and looked at and uh, by the teams that are coming up next year to be like, you know, it, it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's about staying up. And you have to do whatever you can do to stay up. Cause once you stay up, you get, you know, reinvestment, you're making more money, you're getting more revenue, you're changing you know you're marketing your outlook on your club and you have to do whatever is necessary that means you have to go all in in order to stay um i think that retention is difficult uh you know doing this again next year i'm sure that nottingham and bournemouth will probably be two of the favorites to go down including the three that are coming up this year which is like burnley Uh, one other team. And then they have actually a playoff game, which is- Sheffield United,
1: and Burnley are pretty safe. And then I was going to ask you toward the end about, well, we'll save Luton Town or whatever the hell that's called for later. We'll talk about them in a little bit, yes.
2: Um, But yeah, it's pretty surprising. It's pretty rare. I think teams have so much more money these days and they're just investing all in to stay up. And it's the right thing to do but it's costly to continue to do it. So it'd be interesting to see what they do with their squads this summer going into next year and how they revamp in order to try to stay again.
1: So that's actually a strategy. That's what I was going to ask you next is like, Hey, if you're in January and that's that other transfer window, right? Somewhere around there. If you're toward the bottom, I would just, with the amount of money these clubs seem to have, there's no real salary cap. I just would figure there would be a mad dash amongst the bottom of the Premier League to spend stupid money just to stay up. Is that like an actual line you have to walk? Because you mentioned like, okay, if you overinvest in guys and you're in the bottom three and you get a couple of guys and you stay up, well, now you have a bunch of bad investments and you're still a bottom tier club, but you're still in the period league. Is that actually kind of a a needle that has to be threaded in a line that has to be walked where it's like, how much money do we actually spend to stay up even though we're not getting that much better?
2: Oh, absolutely. Because if you, once you go down, your payroll changes, your your actual club finances change, which means you're not going to be able to keep a lot of players uh, you're just not going to be able to pay them just the way you, how much money you're losing, which is why fr- franchise in the U.S. will probably
1: never do this system because your investment can just completely
2: fold on you.
1: You say want to go down? Are there people that just wade the white flag three quarters through the year? I mean, you don't want to do that, but like a team like Southampton, where it's like you know
2: they just could not get up. You're, right. If you're if you're just dead weight you're probably just not going to be buying a, a ton of players at the end. Um, now, some clubs will maybe do it differently. Like they'll just go all in and be like, we have to scratch and claw to survive. And, you know, at the midway point Southampton was far from a guaranteed to go down. Uh, and, you know, all four of these teams who were in the, you know, the bottom where none of them were like necessarily guarantees, but they were there. Um, and, you know, some treated those windows differently than others, um so it's difficult but like I said when you're not playing Champions League the difference between that and just staying up and then the difference between staying up and getting relegated it's it's a payroll change it's a it's a finances change it's a it's a completely different dynamic for your club and you have to really reevaluate it which is why it's once you go down it's so hard to get back up because you have to change your roster so dramatically
1: Last thing before we get to kind of those bottom clubs and get out of here. Uh, Wolverhampton, once upon a time, you know, way back in November and such, I made fun of them because it'd be like, hey, they played 12 matches. They have three goals. Like, hey, if you're a Wolverhampton season ticket holder, what are you paying for here, pal? They didn't really change that strategy. They have the least amount of goals scored in the Premier League. They're 31 goals for the season. They played 37 matches and you, the ball's gone in the net 31 times. Outside of the relegation zone. So I guess that would be – well, now I have it all screwed up. But they basically have the least amount of goals scored in the Premier League. And they're pretty much like four to less than the next rele- like club that's facing relegation. Did they just go all in on defense? How the hell does that work? Because they're now in 15th, 16th place, way out of the relegation zone. And clearly, the offense did not pick up. Where they just like, you know what? We're actually going to make sure no one scores on us. We won't score goals. We'll just keep getting one point. How does that work? Because I made them to be the laughing stock, and now they're comfortably out of relegation by like eight points.
2: Well, points. it just shows you what getting three points can do. It's it's getting results is huge, but when you're battling middle and bottom, it's about getting three. And recently that's what they've been doing. Once they changed management, you know, they were winning games, you know, and then they they haven't, I mean, they used to just tie zero, zero, one, one. It was the most boring team in the world. But once they started winning two or three in a row, like you get such a cushion over the bottom, you know, you might be not going towards the top, but you're going to stay safe. I mean, look at West Ham as well. They won recently. And once you get those three, it's just such a dramatic difference in zero, which is the most obvious stupid statement ever, but it's true, and it's really what happened. They changed managers. They won a few games, whereas the other teams were losing. And then most importantly, they were winning games against teams at the bottom. You know, they were beating Leicester. They are beating Leeds, beating Southampton. So it's like a double whammy um, on avoiding relegation for them. Uh, I mean, they were nothing special, but, you know, they have a decent system. They have an identity over there in the way they run that team. That's your all-Portuguese team. Uh, oh yeah, they can continue that. And I'm sure they will continue that. They're a big uh they like to take on loans from other leagues, from other leagues top teams. They've had loanies from Barcelona a lot, loanies from uh Atletico Madrid, loanies from Italy. Uh, and then they kind of were like, you know what, we might be like transfer portaling this a little bit, but you know, we're kind of kind of just middling uh up in here and we're gonna continue to invest, invest, and we're just gonna stay in this league for as long as we can.
1: The Wolverhampton fighting Lane Kiffins. As we wrap up this soccer corner, I had to, uh, the Luton Town thing. So, as you, the, we were looking at the league, uh, excuse me, the clubs coming up now. Burnley and Sheffield United seem to be pretty, I mean, how they're 11 points clear. They're going to go up. You mentioned they have this play in tournament now for the last team that comes up in the Premier League. Yeah. I got I guess I don't know, maybe the Feds are listening to this podcast but now I get a bunch of Luton Town social media content and they're the ones if I'm not mistaken where like you have to go up apartment complex stairs and stuff to get into their stadium and it's like the smallest stadium in major English football or whatever people want to call it. So I'm sitting there thinking like, "Oh, they're coming up." But no, they're just the one seat in this tournament. What is the lowdown on Luton Town? Why have they become a social media favorite? Is it just the stadium? Uh, the stadium is, is a big part
2: of it, On um, the size of it, you know, kind of where they've been and where they're at. They will be playing Coventry City uh, on Wednesday, and I think this is just a winner-take-all game. Uh, I don't think it's like a uh, – what you call it? I don't think it's like a double uh, – aggregate thing. I think it's just they they won their first uh, aggregate, and now they're playing in the game, the playoff game to go up, which is year in, year out, the most fun game to watch in all of, of you know, English soccer. It is so okay. electric. Just like it's – I think it's in Luton. Well, let me check on that. Do you have an no, – It's at Wembley. It's at Wembley. No, never mind. It's at Wembley. So they get to play in London. Uh, and it's just like the stress – The the stakes, you know, it is as high stakes of a game as there is in any competition in the world, Um, obviously, except for like a, you know, a Super Bowl is to win the championship. But this is so much different, Um, which is why this sport is always so much fun to follow. And just the way that the the backbone of this this sport in England is Um, it's been talked about that if they go up, they're going to have to invest like 10 to 15 million in their stadium to get it up to Premier League standards, which is like crazy.
1: (laughs) <laughs> is that a requirement to where it's like, hey, like if you don't do this, you're you're not coming up? I think it's just
2: like in order to be able to hold Premier League games, in order to be able to hold the TV stations and like it's like
1: baseball hosting sites.
2: No, yeah. I mean, literally it's exactly the same. It's like when you know Ole Miss goes to play at Arkansas State and you look at the feed and you're like, What the hell is this? <laughs> what is going it's, on? It's like the similar, it's like the it's just the infrastructure has to be changed in order to accommodate you know, what's going to happen when they move up. Um, it's fascinating. I don't really know a whole lot of history on this, but it's it's probably, you know, looking at like what Rexham and Ryan Reynolds and them are doing. This is like the, oh shit, it can happen for us too kind of story, which is awesome. Um, similar to our boy, uh, Michael Block, you know, making a whole, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I you know it could happen for anybody. Uh, But that's a game I'll absolutely be watching because it's just like the stakes are so high. It's so much fun. Everything means so much to these teams. Uh, And I hope they go up just to see what happens, because I I think they're actually an American owned team uh, or at least majority American owned, uh, which was has been new for them. I think they recently got some investment from some guys. I don't remember who or what, but it's a fascinating story, which is why the sport can be really, really cool.
1: I look at this Queen, like I look at the uh, English Championship League standings, and it's crazy how far it can fall off. I believe the one of the first soccer corners we did, Norwich City, was still an EPL club. They're now 13th in the English Championship League standings. I've definitely heard of Queens Park Rangers. They were Premier Club, uh, excuse me, recently, and they were like one out of the relegation zone to go into the third league. When you go down and you don't really kind of be in the mix to go back up, is that just like a hopeless existence as a fan? Like, why are they not riding? Why am I not seeing more social media content of people punching folks from these clubs? It's
2: tough. It it is. I think a lot of times they say it's actually a more competitive league than I can see that because of just like the differences in investment, the differences in the clubs, those are coming up. These are teams that new investment is coming into. And, yeah, like, you know, Burnley and Sheffield, I believe, were both in the Premier League last year. So seeing them come back up is, like, far from shocking. But then if you look at, you know, what can happen. The next
1: five, six clubs are not even not last year's or two years ago's teams. No,
2: absolutely not. And, you know, West Brom was in there two years ago. They went down last year, and they're not coming back up. You know, Norwich City, not coming back up. Um, teams like Stoke, teams like QPR, Wigan, Blackpool, Reading, that have been in the Premier League. You know, within the last 10 years, I mean, they are some of these teams are going down another division. You know, it, it's just incredibly tough, which is why, you know, we talk about forests like just investing all they can in order to do anything they can to stay up. You do it because when you go back down, there is never a guarantee you're ever going back up again. And uh, it is, it's really competitive, it's really fun. You know, these teams are still really good. And they're all on ESPN Plus. So, like, you know, there are times where, like, I'll watch and be like, oh, I kind of remember these guys. You know, I've vaguely heard of this team. And, you know, it's incredibly competitive.
1: Last thing on this, the Wrexham thing. I think I asked you about this last time, the Ryan Reynolds Football Club. They're getting promoted. Are they getting promoted to the second league or the third league? Like, what what is the actual deal with them? And can they – like, is it actually – reasonably possible that they make their premier league in a couple of years. Like what, what is their actual kind of outlook? So I
2: was listening to an athletic podcast. Um, they have one on soccer and they had a whole episode on Wrexham cause I'm, I'm fascinated by it because I think it's, it's one of the coolest stories in sports, the way that they've done it, you know, the just absolute genius of the team that they picked and the way they've gone through their investments, um, They say, and those in English soccer say, that getting from the National League into the four top leagues is one of the hardest things to do. Um, You only get two teams – I think only two teams go up, um, whereas most of the other leagues, three go up. So your odds are already cut in half. Um, But what they also said is, like, once you go up, and that investment changes and that, you know, revenue changes and the ability to buy players changes, it could be a pretty quick trajectory. Um, so, I mean, they were even saying, like, just with the already the players they have on their squad, and a lot of those players are League Two quality. If they add four or five more, they wouldn't be surprised if they got out of the fourth division and into the third division within a year, possibly even two. Um, it, it's getting into the championship. That really is the most difficult. I mean, obviously, yeah, per- getting the Premier League is the most difficult. But want those other leagues, like you can kind of – you can skyrocket there. You can really, you know, change your investment, change your your strategy and your club, and you add players that can really, you know, bring you to the top quickly. Uh, but it's getting to that second tier that is kind of where, like, teams begin to kind of falter because you're playing against teams who have been in the Premier League before in the third tier. I mean, you're going to see it with Wigan and Reading and Blackpool. Those teams have been in the Premier League before. So you're now competing against teams with history, with real ownership. It's a different dynamic. But I, the way they talked about it and my limited knowledge of what they're doing, they might be out of that league next year. They might qualify for promotion within a year, just the way that they think that the investment will go uh, compared to the other clubs that are in that fourth division.
1: So all of those one-time losers at the Re- Revolutionary War, they all call us wankers, but is the actual way to go to get an American actor to buy your team? Thoughts?
2: Uh, it might be. I mean, J.J. Watt just invested heavily in Burnley. I think it's becoming a massive trend, um, maybe out of boredom, maybe out of whatever the return is. I mean, LeBron James has is a pretty hefty investor in Liverpool and when they won the league, his like $5 million investment is now worth something like $45 million. It's a pretty good return. I'm not a math major or finance major. But I think, you know, just you've seen a lot of these, you know, famous Americans, these financial Americans. You can't buy an NFL team being famous. Right, you cannot buy an, an NBA team just by being famous. It doesn't happen. You know that's how we knight people in this country. It's my favorite quote ever from the show Billions. <laughs> you know, you know, owning an uh, yeah. NFL franchise is how we knight people in America. Um, that is just not something you can just do. It just doesn't happen the way money works these days. The teams that have been bought. I mean, look at the Denver Broncos. They were probably the most sought after franchise in the world over the past few years, you know, excluding Man United. It's just different with the way that team is owned. Um, And the Walmart family bought them. No one's competing with the Waltons. It's not it's just not happening. I mean, you look at the Phoenix Suns and what they went for, you know, Matt Ishbia bought them this past year for five billion dollars. That is outrageous money. You don't compete with that if you're just a famous actor. Or even a famous businessman, you have to be of the one percent of the one percent to own one of these franchises in America because you know the risk is not the same. Uh, and the reward still is. I mean, the Bucks peep the Bucks guys, did you see what they sold out for?
1: It's unbelievable.
2: They they owned like 35% of that franchise, those two investment guys, the one with the really hot daughter that was dating Aaron Rodgers for a while. They they bought that piece for like seventy five million and sold it this past year for like four hundred and fifty. It's I outrageous. On it's outrageous, especially on that kind of scale. So it's just it's different over there. Your risk over there is is probably a little bit higher, but your reward is very different kind of a reward. Um, so I I don't think it's going to be something that happens a lot where you just buy out a full ownership in a club people have bought, you know, minority ownerships in these clubs for years, but doing what they're doing, being the chairman and like the whole shebang, I don't anticipate that becoming a trend.
1: I'm not going to lie. When they showed Ryan Reynolds and whoever that other famous asshole was that's going along with him, like with that club getting promoted, I was like, well, you're to a podcast revenue. This could be me and Weldon. So what <laughs> I'll need is can you send me a complete list of your finances and then, you know, one to two years, we could buy one of these clubs and be in the Premier League within a year or two. It seems pretty easy. The funniest thing about it is have you watched the show on Hulu? No. So, but that is on my list. So, it's one of those long distance things. Then she, but she likes it too. She loves Ryan Rowan. She's like, I want to watch this. So, it's like on our oh, yeah. list of stuff to watch.
2: So, one, yes, I'll send you my finances and we'll work Thank on you. out a team and doing some research. Uh, But two, you should watch the show because Rob McElhenney, who is from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he was the one who found this opportunity. Okay. And he was like, I want to do this. I think I can do it, but I don't have enough money. (laughs) I need two things. I need somebody that is richer than me, but also somebody who was like a marketing genius. And he was like, I need to call Ryan Reynolds because not only is he way richer than me, um, but, you know, Ryan Reynolds has done like a lot of business. He sold that Mint Mobile company for a billion dollars. Like he is he is like a kingmaker with some of these stupid companies that nobody has ever heard of. Um, And he was like he brought him in, called him, was like, I need you to be the guy for this team. And the way that they've done it with this documentary that increases revenue for them, of course, to then reinvest in the squad. It, it's a fascinating story. And they kind of go through it in pretty you know, impressive detail with a lot of footage of like, kind of how it worked, you know, the ups and downs and like the issues with it, because, you know, these guys are rich, but they're not Saudi rich. So when you have to pay like $2 million to redo your field twice, that takes a hit You know, <laughs> for how all of you? these. Guys. They talk about the story, that story. And it's like really funny to see Ryan Reynolds be like, I don't know if I can pay a million dollars <laughs> just right off the back to just do this. Um, but it's pretty crazy. It's it's definitely a worthwhile watch.
1: I'm definitely going to have to watch that. That's actually how this is going to work. So you'll have your people finance your stuff to my people. Just send me whatever you finance portfolio you got. And then I'll call you on like Friday and say, hey, I want to buy one of these teams, but I'm not rich enough. I need a marketing genius. I need someone with more money. And then we'll buy a club. And then boom, we'll announce our plans to get promoted by August. Does that sound like a plan? I think what we really need to do
2: is talk with Neil and Chase and Yeah, have there we go. Up our fee to come bring our knowledge to this to this platform. And then that'll be the backbone of our initial investment. And then I'll sell all my stocks. And then I think. We might be able to own 1% of a team.
1: <laughs> I love it. We'll uh, we'll buy Wiggum and then call them the MPW microphones and be like, this is just coming straight up the ass of the conference.
2: So <laughs> this is it.
1: <laughs> we'll get that worked out in the next week. The listeners are anticipating it. He is Walden Rodenberg. Dude, I appreciate the time. This is always a ton of fun every year, which crack, <laughs> cracks me up started as a joke segment and now we're doing a uh, soccer corner once per year the last week people are
2: demanding it (laughs) we don't know
1: shit about taking over the football market i appreciate the time my friend we'll talk to you here soon because fall camp will be right around the corner
2: yes it is goodness gracious
1: All right, that'll do it for our show today. Appreciate Weldon hopping on and talking some uh, soccer as we uh, slowly learn this sport across the pond. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll be back next week with a couple different podcasts as we kind of wade into off-season mode, but I uh, got a couple cool things on deck for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast as always. Hope you're enjoying a lovely Memorial Day weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.